three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. As always, I am one-third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson. I am joined by my co-hosts, Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder and College Station and Stillwater, respectively. And uh, guys, I'm just going to get straight into it. Um, wasn't a great week for us last week. I mean, I'm looking at these pick records. I went 10-6. and six. Ryan and Walker went 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, You know, I did do uh, two games better than both of you, but collectively – those are not the standards we hold ourselves to. Those picks weren't great. So, Walker, I'll start with you. Why would you say, and I think there's a specific reason, why these picks uh, weren't as they normally are up to par? You know, you know, I'm I'm wearing my hoodie. It's sad boy hours. Um, you know, I was listening to my, uh, you know, some just very sad music this weekend, you know, to go, get over the, all the losses I have. And I'm just... <laughs> I'm just still not over it, man. It's it's it hurts me deeply, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's you know just it was just not my best week, man. And you know we we have to keep moving, we keep pushing, and I just did not read the board right. You know, sometimes you just don't read it right. You know, your glasses are on wrong. You know, maybe that's the reason. I don't even wear glasses, but um, uh, I don't know, man. I just didn't read the board right this week. I didn't have faith in some schools and some schools just did not perform to as well as we expected them to, to before the season. And we'll get into all the upsets this week, but yeah, it's sad boy. I was right now with the pick record. Absolutely. Ryan, you have anything to add to, you know, the state of our pick record in private school football after week one? Yeah, honestly, I just, that's not me. Yeah. Y'all know me. I'm the pick record champ. I'm the, hold on one second. I got something. I was about, I was about to say, I think Ryan's got some, some memorabilia to show off. <laughs> commemorating the first ever Texas private school podcast pick record champion. So I'd like Look to bring that, in, bring this to y'all's attention. <laughs> this would be, if y'all can read it, I don't know if y'all can read it. Oh my God. My glare. There, there we go. go. If you can read it. Vanitas. Yeah. So Wes would re- refuse to tell us what that means. Would you like to tell us what that means now? It's an old Latin affirmation. I don't think it needs any more explaining that. Okay. All right. He's just trying to be secretive about it. But, you know, I will say whoever gets this next ne- this next year, you know, I hope to keep it in this very room. But, you know, it might make its way down to College Station. And I hope not. But we'll see. I'm going to keep it on my desk now for the rest of the episode. It's definitely hope, going to me. It's definitely I, I hope going you're to enjoying me. your time with it because you will be parting with it. Um parting nah. with it soon and it's not uh, going to be in, uh, it's not going to be in walker's realm of college station it'll be in my oh all right but okay. that's all, right. all the time we'll spend on pick records i love to to have the last word there we'll now transition into our players of the week and we had two fantastic stat lines that were honestly surrounded by a ton of crazy stats in week one we were both talking about this before we started the episode i mean there were so many good stat lines and it was so hard to choose from but ultimately we whittled it down to two so the texas private school podcast offensive player of the week for week one is junior quarterback dante lewis from houston st thomas dante went 24 for 36 for 400 yards passing he threw six touchdowns and he had 80 yards rushing you know i was there on him to cover this game and to watch dante we've all been very high on him since me and walker saw him excel in seven on seven so i went into this game knowing that dante was a special player 
Um, I was very excited to watch him compete, and boy, did he compete. I mean, 400 yards of the air, six touchdowns, and absolutely leading St. Thomas's offensive attack was nothing short of amazing. Walker, what are your thoughts on Dante Lewis winning our Offensive Player of the Week? I'm a, I remember I called you after the game, and I was just like, all right, how do you play? And you were, hey, I mean, he, Dante Lewis did Dante Lewis things, and he just he show, shined and just, you know, did what he had to do. Um, and I mean, that's what you kind of expect from this guy. You know, this performance is, I mean, amazing and one of the best of the week for sure. But, you know, you kind of have that standard at St. Thomas of amazing offense, just high powered, throw the ball a lot of yards. And he, you know, you had Jake Wright last last year. You had, you know, Maddox Cop, and he just fills that void uh, perfectly. And uh, he continues the the success of St. Thomas quarterbacks um, really well. So, I mean, congrats to him on a great week and a great win opening the season against St. John's. No, he was absolutely fantastic. Ryan, your thoughts on Dante Lewis and our offensive player of the week. Yeah, man. I, I just, I, it stuck out to me immediately. I mean, you see 500 all purpose yards and you're thinking to yourself, what in the world happened on that Friday night? So, you know, Dante, Incredible performance, my man. Um, and against a powerful SBC team like Houston St. John's, too. I mean, I, I it wasn't against nobody. It wasn't against a random team. This was a Houston St. John's team, a team that's going to make a, a contention for the SBC this year. Um, so let it be known, you know, uh, Dante Lewis is going to show out 2024. Let's see how this junior quarterback does the rest of the season. Without a doubt, that'll be very intriguing to follow as the year goes on. But congratulations to Dante Lewis for winning our Offensive Player of the Week. Now, looking at the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week, this has to go to senior DB Daniel Demery. Oh, miscommit, Daniel Demery. Demery had seven tackles, two interceptions, a forced fumble, and a pass breakup. And it was the timing that most of these stats came from, which really separates him from the pack. Demery was essentially the closer in Parrish's game versus Alito. He had a pass breakup to seal the game. He had an interception that basically put the nail in the coffin. I mean, the kid is fantastic. We've been raving on him forever, and he made an impact on the biggest stage by helping Parrish basically take down Titletown. So, Walker, I mean, we basically – we didn't even have much debate over who had to win Defensive Player of the Year. We knew it had to be Demery. So how can you speak to his performance this past week and how it contributed to Parrish's win over Alito? Yeah, I mean, I was at my game. I had to work at on Friday, and right when that ended, I had a six o'clock kickoff. So I, you know, raced I raced to a Sonic, got something to eat, and turned on the Alito Parish game. And I got to watch the last of the third and like mo- all the fourth. And I just, you know, it. I don't think that anyone scored in that fourth quarter. I could be wrong, but um. The fact that you you know an offense like Alito, right? If they might have one break, and you know that's ball game, but that defense led by Daniel Demery held strong, and we'll get more to it when we recap the game. But you could just tell, like he was ready for it. And you know, I talk about it all the time with you know other friends and stuff. The guys who can just when the lights turn on and they're at their best is the guys you always want on the field, and that is a guy like Daniel Demery. When the lights turn on, it's go time. You've got to be on your best. That's what he did. And the interception in the fourth quarter, I believe, to stop one of the drives of Alito to give them one less shot of trying to tie it up. And then, of course, I believe on that drive, 
they set up the field goal, I believe, to make it 24 to 17. That was the final score, right? Right. Uh, so I think that was the field goal drive. I don't know on the top of my head, but I believe that is. And then very last drive, Alito was driving. I believe they're on like their 30 or on the Parish 30. Fourth down, you got to make a play, and Daniel Dimery comes up with it. I mean, that's what you want in your captain. That's what you want in your leader. That's what you want in your power five defensive back, and he brought it all to the table, and you can't ask more of the guy. Absolutely. He is a natural-born leader and just a fantastic athlete on top of that. Ryan, your thoughts on Daniel Dimery winning our Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, I mean, Walker said it best. I mean, if you haven't heard of Daniel Dimmer yet, you, you're you living on the wrong side of the rock or however that phrase works. I don't know. I don't know. If <laughs> under. That, it's it's when yeah, you open it. Yeah, yeah, under. yeah. Something like that. You know, Wes is good at those random phrases. I'm just going to stick to the, yeah. Whatever. This is what we get, Ooh. by the way, guys, of recording Ooh. at 11.50 on a Tuesday. <laughs> this is what we get. But uh, oh, I agree. With you. I agree. That, with that you, was Ryan. only so hilarious to oh. me because it's almost midnight. Thank you. Ryan. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Anyways, I was gonna keep it short and sweet. Anyways, but I'll keep it shorter and sweeter. Uh, Dale Demery, great game. Uh, if you didn't know, we'll talk about it a little more later with the Parish Lido game. But yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy that came up in the clutch. So Daniel Demery, y'all. Absolutely. So congratulations again to Daniel Demery for winning the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week. Oh, really quickly before we get out of this, uh, Ryan, there was a guy from your alma mater, Trace Harris, that um, had a pretty cool story and had a great stat line coming back from a pretty severe injury that no one thought that he could come back from. Can you explain a little bit what happened there? Yeah, so so a crazy thing happened last season. He's uh, uh, Trace Harris is the name, by the way. Trace Harris, Lacey Christian Academy. If you didn't know my alma mater, um, you know Trace has had uh, you know lots of stuff that happened throughout his high school career. But this was the crazy thing last year. Um, he got banged up in a game. I'm I'm gonna get the exact game real quick for y'all. So he was having the, he was having a great game. Uh, Trace was having what in the article says the game of his life against Tyler Grace. Funny enough, uh, Wes is uh, all modern, but yeah, in the, only the fifth game of the season, he ran for 122 yards, two touchdowns. You know, great game, and then uh, he got pulled down with a defender on top of his head, slammed into the turf, and with the crown of his helmet hitting first, nothing to Grace's fall. And so, basically. From what I even heard from from my brother who went to the school at the, at the time, you know, it was a scary, scary injury. My brother was at the game, um, you know, and this was something that like he got sent to the emergency room that night. Um, and yeah, if you re read the article on Dallas Morning News, it's by uh, um, Greg Riddle, one of the like best, like what's called article Greg's, writers. Greg, Greg is great, man. He's yeah, a really Greg, good writer. Amazing, amazing. Um, so you have to read this article for yourself. Um, but basically, you know, Trace heck of a comeback um i know trotter you know when he told trotter uh that he was coming back trotter was like all right let's go like well, let's get ready to go i'm let's, let's let's get the season going so you know and he had a great he did a great night last night too i mean he went back and basically you know 11 tackles five for a loss uh four sacks two forced fumbles trace literally showed that he wants to play his senior year out 
Um, so, you know, from when I knew him in middle school, uh, when I was announcing middle school football games and I was in, I was announcing his name in middle school football games. Like he was that good in middle school. Uh, I may have called him, uh, Trez, uh, back in middle school. Cause I didn't know how to say his name. Uh, shout out to his mom for correcting me for that. But, uh, Trace Harris, man, I- I've, I've known you since middle school and you've been a stud forever. It's so great that you're getting to play your senior season. What a heck of a comeback and an awesome article written by Greg Riddell. Yeah, for sure, man. That's just, that's a crazy story. Something you don't see very often and just <clears throat> couldn't be happier for Trace Harris. Did I get that right, Trace? Trace, Trace, not Trez, Perfect. Trace. Trace, not Trez. All right, so congratulations to Trace Harris for that immaculate comeback. And hopefully he has a fantastic season moving forward. But now we are going to actually really quickly before that, we're going to talk about just some of the craziness that happened last week in terms of just raw upsets. If I can pull up in front of me. me. Do you want me to pull it up? Or you want no, me to I, say I've it? got it in front of me. So we got Liberty Christian um, beats Plano Prestonwood 28 to seven. Wow. We have Nolan Catholic upsets for all saints. We have feel free to jump in if any. Oh yeah. Um, Geneva Bernie beats St. Michael's. Um, Coram Deo beats Covenant. That's, that's actually what I expected. Um, uh, I would say TWCA over John Cooper. That was a um, big one too. Um, yeah, oh, Oak Ridge no, was... over Grace Prep was gigantic as well. That's not right. like yeah. any of us would have expected yeah. that. But yeah, I mean, essentially, that's kind of what we were alluding to in our pick records that a lot of people and if you look at pick records from around the state, or at least like guys like us, um, LSCSN that do private school picks, I'm sure Texas private school football guy, I don't think anyone really had a great pick record aside from Brandon Brunson, who's a baseball guy and somehow <laughs> yeah. outpicked all of shout, us. Hey, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to our guy, Brandon, man. Dude, he's the shout, goat, man. Shout I mean, out to gonna, private school baseball. Yeah. Yeah, he's the goat. But but yeah, so it was just absolute craziness. I mean, just kind of to lay the groundwork for the games we're about to get into. But moving into those games, the first one is Houston St. John's uh, versus Houston St. Thomas, the game I was there to cover. And initially, ironically, as it sounds, the game was a defensive battle. It was seven to seven after the first quarter, 14 to seven St. Thomas at the half. The St. John's secondary initially did a solid job of keeping the Eagles offense in check, although Lewis was starting to find um, junior Luke Edgecombe and senior Schaefer Henderson through the air. However, the scoring opened up in a big way in the second half. Long story short, Lewis finished with 400 all-purpose yards, 391 passing with six touchdowns through the air. That number is actually wrong. It's closer to 500 all-purpose yards. Three of those touchdowns went to Schaefer Henderson and a couple more were brought in by Edgecombe. But the game ended up being a 43-28 victory in favor of St. Thomas. And the Eagles start the season off on the right foot. However, I can't talk about this game while ignoring um, sophomore athlete Cole Allen for St. John's. That kid is a freak, man. I know we talked about it all last year. We didn't get a chance to go down and watch St. John's, so he just went off his stats in his film. The kid is the real deal. He had one of the better catches I've ever seen live in a football game that I have linked on our Twitter. It's just the absolute definition of mossing someone. But at the end of the day, the contest is about what I expected from both squads and each have great potential moving forward. Walker, your thoughts on St. Thomas beating St. John's? I think that last sentence of like, it's what you expected out of both squads, but it's not like it's a negative for St. John's losing this game. I think it shows that like their defense is ready to go for the rest of the season in SPC. Um, Cole Allen will be the guy. Stephen Gill, I remember you telling me that he really played really good. Um, I think they have the right tools in place for St. John's, you know, to win the SPC, to win in the SPC. Um, And, you know, 
see if they can compete with the Kincaids and the ESCs that they really weren't able to last year and also the Episcopal this year. But um, I think it's a, it's a successful game for them, even when not in the outcome, if I, if that makes sense. Um, for Houston St. Thomas, it gets a lot of guys who you really didn't see last year ready to play and used to playing high school football and playing them together. Dante Lewis, you know, Schaefer Henderson, like you said, Luke Edgecombe, getting those kinks out of, yeah, only having 14-14 at the half and then getting ready to play, finding out their rhythms and all of that, and then dominating the second half. So I'm. it was just a very impressive performance by St. Thomas, and you kind of expected that to finally, when hey, when it clicks, you know, to go to work, and that's what they pretty much did this game. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. Moving to the wrong side of the rock, Ryan Schroeder, what did you think about St. Thomas versus St. John's? No, no, no. I'm not being known as that guy. Not being known as that guy. It was one mistake. All right. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. You're good. I I can take it. Um, 43-27, you know, uh, literally, in all reality, this game was, yeah, it was literally only 21 points scored in the first half, you know, like, not a lot of scoring going on first half and uh and then and then uh and then the man happened uh then mr uh mr went off for 600 yards uh or you know so in all reality this, this game has you know like we say it's just it's not district you know it's not district st thomas uh it's a it's a task for SBC battle um and it really just showed that you know that guys came out guys show what they're going to be for the rest of the year uh i know just you know basically we now have our eyes on mr dante lewis for the rest of the season so that's something that if we weren't looking at him we're looking at him now um but you know i, I think with this entire game like you all y'all said it had no effect on the rest of the season like you know this is just a get your feet wet like let's see how the guys play for the first time and that's basically all these games you know get your feet wet you know see how it's you're going to play this year um and it has no general like it doesn't steer you either way having one loss in your record and non-district but yeah i'm 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 just saying right now great great overall game uh between these two teams honestly probably about the score i would have predicted myself um, but yeah, no, I, uh, well, Dante Lewis, man, I'm sorry. I got to keep bringing this up. I, I I don't think we saw anything like that last year with 500 all purpose yards, six touchdowns. Nah, he, he is a, essentially a part of the reason why this team, by why Houston St. Thomas won. So, um, that's all I got to say. That's my deep behind the rock analysis. <laughs> But sorry, that was good. But yeah, no, I don't want to gloss over this without mentioning again, Schaefer Henderson and Luke Edgecombe. Both of those receivers were integral for what Lewis was trying to do and that whole St. Thomas offense. So just remember the name Schaefer Henderson and Luke Edgecombe moving forward. Both of them are fantastic athletes. But guys, we already talked about this game a good amount, so let's keep it brief. But Alito versus Parrish. Don't say I didn't warn you. Parrish shocks title town with a 24 to 17 victory. Sophomore quarterback Sawyer Anderson goes 17 for 29, 216 yards and three touchdowns. Running back Cedric Mays has 145 all-purpose yards. However, like I mentioned, the MVP of this game was was senior Ole Miss commit Daniel Demery, who had a forced fumble at the goal line that resulted in a touchback, returned two interceptions inside the Alito 10-yard line, and registered the game-sealing pass breakup in the final two minutes. So, Alito shocks tie our parish shocks title town Alito 24 17 Walker your thoughts I guess I was wrong I'll admit that you know people were chirping me yeah. that's okay Come on. and I yeah I I think it was like in my gut I was like parish 
absolutely has a shot in this. They could definitely win this. And I could have went that way. But I think my, like, being from Fort Worth, Southwest Fort Worth, being friends with Alito, that, like, side of me just pulled me in too much of, like, it's Alito. How can they lose? And, um, I mean, Parrish did it. I mean, Parrish was the better team. Their defense was ready to go. Held a good offense, Alito offense, to 17 points. It's impressive. Um, But what's interesting is, like, I think Alito for the first time in a while has a lot of questions that need to be answered. You know, this might not be the first year that they like, they might have to have a little bit of a rebuilding year. And I was reading the tweet from one of my guys that I know. And he said, from hearing what I've heard from the people at the Alito Parish game, if this is the Alito we can expect, Denton Ryan is the definitely not their biggest concern. And that was a big thing going up to D1 or the 5AD1, are they going to be able to handle it? And Parish showed them, they got a lot to fix if they even want a chance at 5AD1. That side of it, done. Parrish now, I mean, hats off to the guys. Sawyer Anderson plays in probably one of the biggest games he's ever played. And 17 of 29, 60% completion, 216, three touchdowns. The three picks is an issue, and he'll work on that, and that's not the problem. But I like, what, I like the heart in this kid. I like Cedric Mays being able to rush the ball. Just very, very impressed about this Parrish team. And I mean, like, I think like uh, Foster said last week, right? So many teams in private school always were really good and always wanted to have the shot of like, oh yeah, let's play a big dog and see if we can do it. And Alito finally got that opportunity and they succeeded. And I just want to say hats off to them for doing that. It's, it's so, so impressive that with all the noise, with all the hype coming about, oh, they can't do that. Including me. They don't care, and they just go to work, and they win, and that's very, very impressive. I thought, Brian. Yeah, there we go. Let's go. Brian, your quick thoughts on Alito Parish? Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Sawyer, Sawyer had a good game, uh, but in all reality, Cedric Mays, you know, just showing that he's going to make an impact this year as well. Uh, combined with his rushing yards of 100, he also had receiving yards of about 50 as well. Caught five passes, caught a touchdown pass. I mean, Cedric Mays is going to work as that, you know, running back slash wide receiver combo. Um, it's exciting to see the dump off that, you know, Sawyer can get to Cedric Mays and seeing what Cedric Mays is going to be able to do, you know, with, with 18 carries a game, which he had in this game. Um, I'm excited to see what this offense does. Not and the defense just, you know, we we know the defense. Trey Williams, uh, uh, let's call Parker Meese, Daniel Demery. Um, you, you, we know all these guys at this point. So it's in all reality, this team, in my opinion, I, I guess me and Wes kind of saw it. You know, it's like this Paris team is something special. So I and I didn't want to go against the private school culture. Like, you know, we're a private school podcast. So I, I did have that kind of on my shoulders a little bit too. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I know Alito's pass. I know the 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 wing culture there and stuff like that. And Walker's 100 right. If we're talking Alito, you know the question marks are there this year. So I still think this is a really impressive win, though. Do not discount this win. Parish, par- this Parish win. Are we talking about? You know, this is no, this, this is, is yeah. This is the question. This is the questions being answered about whether Parish could move to to what's it called to UIL. Like this is this is the, the we talked about this game being the one that would be like, hey, you know, this is the title town team. You know, this is a big game on the on the schedule. Parish did it, y'all. Parish yeah. did it. What more do y'all want? Come on. I don't for know. Our, like for 
for our sake, I really hope they don't just because I like covering them playing all the private right, schools. But right. between just us three and I don't think there's anyone else listening, they absolutely could do it. They could they could absolutely do it. I think it's also not only just like, hey, can they go to UIL like a Jesuit? I think it's also can you just the best of the best compete with the best of the best? And, you know, we always call it back to like I always talk about that St. Pius team that beat College Station by a mil- like a lot, and then College Station that year went and beat Alito in the state championship. And those are the levels of private school teams. And it's in- going to be interesting if, all right, this might not be the best 5AD1 team in Alito, probably at Ryan or uh, Ding- Dingai, or no, not Ding- whatever. There's some other 5AD1 teams that are going to be good other than Alito. But showing that they can beat the bigger teams in 5A is impressive. And it's going to be interesting to see if anyone can hang with a uh, parish this season and private school ranks. And if they can, how do those, you know, then you can match up like, okay, if a Bel Air hangs with, within 15 of parish, how can they do against other 5A schools? You know, that type of thing. Right, right. I, I this, this is this this is going to be the main thing I say with this. If you don't think Novikov is gonna is gonna schedule these games every year, you're lying to yourself. Novikov is gonna schedule these games every year. He's gonna schedule with how many district non district games he gets. He's gonna put the big names on the schedule every single year until they're proven to be that team that can contend in UIL. And I know that Novikov is 100 percent that way, and he will 100 percent do that. He wants to show everyone that you know what we're gonna win state every year in taps, but the four or five games this year that you know we're not playing in taps, and we get to play the non district schedule. I'll play every single team. I'll play state champions. I'll play the Alito title towns of, the, of whatever. And he's only going to play harder teams year after year. Yep. No, absolutely. He will. And it will be very, very intriguing to see what Parrish does moving forward with this just gauntlet of a schedule. But yeah, now we will move on into the next game we're going to recap. That is ESD versus TCA. And this ended 58 to 43 in favor of ESD, who I remember saying would win this game because of returning their entire offense. And, you know, they put up 60 points. So I think that's probably a pretty good correlation there. Patrick Burke went 13 of 27, 271 passing yards, four touchdowns, also rushed for 124 yards, leading the Eagles and had three more touchdowns there. So seven to his name for this game. Running back Andrew Carey rushed for 83 yards and a touchdown. Looking at receiving Garrison Elliott went for 137 yards and two touchdowns where Jordan Hutchinson also pulled in two TDs. TCA quarterback Aiden Mills also threw for a couple hundred yards and four touchdowns, 2-2 two, to Takashi Shaw and 2-2 two, two Chance Snyder. So this was an absolute barn burner, guys. I mean, 58-43 is a lot of points, especially for week one of the season when offenses are normally rusty. But, I mean, I expected ESC to pull this one out. Did both of you side with ESD? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I did. Went, I, oh, I, actually, Walker, I actually, yeah. yeah, I actually went TCA. Well, so Walker, I'll start with you first then. I mean, explain or just what do you think about this outcome and and just the showing on both sides? I mean, I think your first point of like how returning their entire offense really, really helped ESD in this. Um, Patrick Burke went off and having seven touchdowns in one week uh, is kind of impressive and probably is probably one of the first probably leads the state of Texas in touchdowns with seven on the first day. I mean, I would probably I'd probably have to assume so. But, um, just, yeah, just very, very impressive on the night. Um, it shows it shows still that TCA is in the right direction. And, you know, scoring 43 on ESD is no slouch. So they still have a shot to do really good this year. But, um, yeah, it just shows how good ESD looks this year. 
Absolutely. I think they're going to be uh, in a very good position moving forward. Ryan, your thoughts on ESD TCA? Yeah, I picked ESD and I, I made some comments about TCA last week that, you know, I, I don't know if I have hold fully true. So, you know, in all reality, Aiden Mills played a great game. Four touchdowns and 205 yards is nothing to, you know, like like be upset about at all. Like that's that's a great game. Um, you know, both your main receivers, Chance Snyder and Takashi Shaw, um, both had two touchdowns themselves. Uh, Takashi had, you know, 100 yards on him himself. Like in all reality, you know, they TCA performed well. So I, I with ESD, I'm, I don't even have to talk about ESD. Patrick Burt did amazing. And, and then the rest of that team, it was just insane. I mean, with Elliot and uh, Hutchinson both have two touchdowns like that's that's crazy. However, I want to talk about TCA because we all, we already talked about ESD. I want to see how TCA plays his next game against fourth all saints. I know we're going to cover it, but what I want to say is just like mm. the whole thing I've been saying is like, I want to see how TCA plays again, you know, in this, like in the system of, of D one again. And so with an all saints matchup of a team that we thought we were really high on and stuff like that, I really want to see how they play this, 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 this Friday. I, I think it's important. And I think this game will mean a lot more than maybe some people are looking into. I mean, people, people see two and one teams on the, on the slate and they have no idea what they're looking for because TCA and all saints is going to be a great game this week. Um, and I'm excited to see if TCA can turn it around. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be, cause it's, it's two very talented teams with kind of uncertain futures, all saints a lot more than TCA right now, but yeah, that's actually, it's an incredible point bringing that up. That's something we're having to follow closely, but transitioning into the next game, we have Austin regions versus central Catholic where, I mean, we just got this one flat wrong. I mean, this, we, we got called clown town on Instagram, which honestly made me laugh really hard driving home from Houston. I kind of want to get um, a little picture frame and put clown town like right there. Whenever we record, I think that would be utterly hilarious, but oh, shout no. out. I forget someone, the regent's kid that sent that to me. I think someone's going to send you a banner. Someone's going to send you a banner or something like that. It's going to say clown town. And then people are going to come over to your house and be like, who's clown town. And you're gonna be like, Nope, that's me. I'm clown town. Oh, I'm Clown Town because some kids you, from Austin told me that I'm Clown Town. I mean, if you send me literally anything that won't get us age restricted, I'll put it on that wall behind me. I mean, I swear I will. I mean, that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> no, that's, that's a bad but, hey, that, That's the rule. That's the rule. If it doesn't get us age restricted, it goes on the wall. I like saying. that idea. I I'm like it. Saying. Oh, my gosh. Do not. Oh, no. That's we'll see. bad. People we'll are gonna send you memes of yourself. That's <laughs> that would be awesome. All right, moving into the actual game. Uh, freshman quarterback Quinn Murphy led the Knights to a 35 to 20 victory over the Buttons. The freshman threw for 330 yards and three touchdowns in his high school debut. Senior Jackson Smith had an 89 yard receiving touchdown or 89 yard touchdown and two goal line stands. Ended up giving Regions the edge here. So I mean, I remember saying. I thought that Central was going to have a have the advantage because I didn't know how Regents was going to, you know, game plan for Braden Flowers on both sides of the ball. But I mean, I guess that just it, it wasn't a huge factor here. I mean, Quinn Murphy is someone that we haven't talked about a whole lot leading up to this. I don't know if we were 100 percent sure. Um, or at least I wasn't of Regents quarterback situation going into the season, but Quinn Murphy has made very well sure that we know who he is now. So Walker, your thoughts on the freshman quarterback, Quinn Murphy and Regents just, just dominating here week one. 
Yeah, I mean, when we watched them in seven on seven, they were rotating a couple quarterbacks, you know, Wes. So we were like, it might be him, but we don't know for sure. And, you know, all that jazz. And, um, yeah, we, we know who Quinn Murphy is now. And that's there's no doubt about that. Having 330 yards and three touchdowns in a, his first game ever on varsity football and even high school football is undoubtedly pr- impressive. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I don't know what they put in the water down there and Austin Regions to make quarterbacks just really good there, but it's very, very impressive. Um, but you know who also really stood out to me was, of course, the Colorado State commit, Whitfield Powell. I watched his tape from this last game, and he just made it a nightmare for Ryan Perez to do basically anything. Probably a couple sacks, tackle for losses. Um, I just feel – I felt bad for Ryan Perez, man. I mean, he had to deal with him all night. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that defense is loaded. Uh, him, Wilburn a lot of other dudes verdict. I mean, I guess we just didn't, didn't give them enough credit. Wes Ryan. I mean, I guess we just, we need to, we need to rep- always remember Austin Regents is Austin Regents and they went undefeated a year ago and only one or two years ago and went only lost one game a year ago. I mean, that's just who they are. You know, I think we also um, take for granted that Regents, I mean, might have won state for three different years if Trinity Christian wouldn't have existed. And I think that would have changed the outlook on uh, on their program. Now you could argue that DC would have come out of the North, but basically I think, I think regions gets discounted a little bit in the last few years, just because of the, the Cedar Hill mania that swept through taps for three years. But also I'm going to find an excuse to complain about that any chance I get. So I might just be bringing that up for no reason, but Ryan, as for this past game, Regents versus Central, 35 to 20 for Regents. Your thoughts on the outcome? Yeah, uh, honestly, I had it wrong as well. You know, if it wasn't if it wasn't glaringly obvious by, um, you know, my pick. Uh, But I did hedge my bet a little bit. I said that, you know, I was the one that had faith in Regents last year. Um, which means nothing. I was a whole new year, but I did want to say that I, I, I really do think this region's team is is successful. They they've been successful. They literally breed success down there. Um, so I, I wanted to be known that I I should have I should have had a you know the good idea that Regents was going to come out strong once again. But uh, Central Catholic, I'm just gonna uh, like I said, I I, w- I want to highlight some of these guys because you know Ryan Perez. You know, a good a good day coming out. Ryan Perez, two sixty nine. You know, obviously, you know he went to work at quarterback, but one hundred and thirty eight yards and two touchdowns out of John Vina. I I wanted to learn more about this kid, man. You know, the Central Catholic running back this year looks like is going to be running back number one. Um, so you know, we talk about Braden Flowers all the time, but you know, let's let's get some let's get some uh let's get some shine on John Vina every now and then, or how do you ever say it? Vina Vina. Um, you know, two two touchdowns and 138 yards, man. A seven seven three seventy three yard is your longest. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I'm excited to see what he can do. 19 carries looks like the lead lead rusher for them. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. No, no okay. Was that was that? Sorry, it's really late. yes. I can't. I can't read social news anymore. But yes, yeah. that means yes. He is done. It is time to move. Sorry, yeah, I feel like I feel that. like for me, I think I just need to say end every single time I'm done, and then that what lets Wes know. My well, social cues. We need to, we need to treat this like radio comms, where uh, we just say <laughs> over every time. Yeah, every so time. Like, so the, the correct uh, the correct terminology would be yes, over. 
And then, okay. just, then my, my bird brain would know, okay, now it's time for me to start uh, talking again. You would think after 45 episodes, I'd be, you know, pretty seamless at picking up transitions <laughs> and segueing us. I'm not, I'm not a smart person. Anyways, going back to, um, I actually just saw that Quinn Murphy tagged us, uh, in the post of them beating, um, of them beating, um, Central Catholic. So I just like that. Shout out Quinn Murphy. Shout out Austin Regents. <laughs> Shout TX- out to us. This is, this is TXBS after dark. And this is, is awful. You know, like Every- Pac-12, Pac-12 after dark. This is TXBS after dark. This you know, is, I, you know I'm, is- just, I'm just going to completely take this off the rails. But I remember last year whenever uh, we recorded one episode like this, Walker. It's the one I recorded on that couch back there. Um, I don't remember what I said, but I remember my mom texted me after that episode came out. And she said, if you ever do anything like that again, I'm not watching another one of these episodes. So hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully this doesn't turn into that. I think I'm composing myself a little better, oh, but we, we can't oh, just go past midnight this anymore. Is so, this is so funny. This okay. is so okay. funny. So we're going to speed run the rest of these um, reviews, get into the previews, <laughs> and, and move along. So um next review Houston Second Baptist versus St. Pius. This one's pretty easy because there's no stats in there anywhere, but... Um, we do know that they held Houston Second Baptist beat St. Pius 35 to 7. Second Baptist hasn't entered any stats, but we do know they held St. Pius under 240 yards of total offense. Um, they have Turner Murdoch there now at quarterback. You have to assume he accounted for a lot of the 35 points. I mean, Walker, um, Second Baptist basically just drums St. Pius here in the opening game. Um, you picked St. Pius, did I'm actually not saying that to troll you. You picked them, didn't you? Uh, I mean, I did. Yes, I did do that. Um, okay, well, I'm I'm going to make you answer for that now here. Uh, I guess might have been a mistake. Um, <laughs> looking back at it now, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, Thirty-five to seven. I mean, it was a uh, donkey stopping, maybe as as they say <laughs> these days. Um, just a very very underwhelming performance for St. Pius who looked really good receiving wise defensive back wise you have a D1 commit up front or D1 player up front I mean uh, a higher division you would expect them to put kind of put it together but I guess they still have to find their who their identity is this year and um, uh, second Baptist did not pull any punches to this first round Um, and I mean yeah I guess Turner Murdoch's the real deal Um. 35 points in a f- opening win. I mean, that's very, very impressive. Uh, J.D. Crisp, you know, probably came to play as well. Um, Hudson Toon and Cannon Toon, I believe that his younger brother are both starting defensive backs now. So that's going to be very impressive to see. Uh, Jackson Powers probably played really well. I mean, that defense is really, really good. If you rem- if you if I sat down and thought about it, right? I mean, that defense is going to be really, really good this year. And I guess we should have talked about that more in the Division Two preview. But, I mean, only letting that good offense of St. Pius score seven in their opening game, I mean, that's impressive. Did you mention uh, Kyle Cole Morgan? I did not. But, yeah, that linebacker who won linebacker of the year for us last year, I mean, really good, really good player. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I mean, second Baptist, I mean, they lose – they lose um, Eli Smith and Everett Scalern, but they have so there's such a good culture there, and there's still so many athletes. I think they're going to be completely fine. And you saw that with their drumming of St. Uh, St. Pius. Ryan, your thoughts on the outcome of this game? Yeah, I, you know, this is the team that went to state last year up against DC, and I think that needs to be known as well. It's like, you know, this is going to be another second Baptist team like we always expect. 
we always say that, you know, there's there's three or four teams that come out of the South every year in D2. And, you know, they're maybe the same three three or four teams every year. And I don't think that's going to change. I think Second Baptist is going to put their name out there again this year and uh, shows that shows that they're going to take down the other Houston team of St. Pius. So um, looking forward to see how Second, ba- Second Baptist does the rest of this year. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how they we'll see how they do in a D1 matchup this next week. Uh, by the way, Russ, Wes, I was looking through the Twitter of S, uh, Second Baptist, and they started out the game with a Turner Murdoch to J.D. Crisp touchdown. Then uh, that was at the start of the second. Then it ended at half at 21 to nothing. And then 28 to, uh, 28 to nothing with a Kyle, Kyle Cormorgan uh, touchdown to running up the middle. I still didn't say it right, didn't I? But that's okay. Is a running back? Yeah, they he ran it in to start uh, in the tw- it was twenty eight to nothing in the third, late in the third. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, uh, B Butler, we need to figure out who this is. Uh, ran it like a 30, 35 yard touchdown to make it thirty five nothing with four minutes left in the fourth. So that means they scored in the last four minutes, St. Pius. So that's like basically garbage time touchdown. Yeah. So so second Baptist effectively shut them out. Yeah. So that's. To my point, very, very impressive win for St. Pi- or Second Baptist. Yeah. No, they're going to be solid again, man. I mean, I, I know they are. I'm excited to see what they do in D2. Transition to the next game, Fort Worth Hall Saints versus Nolan and and uh, one of our worst, one of our worst picks of the week. Um, I literally have written here, man, period, just man. Uh, <laughs> we were flat wrong again. I mean, Nolan – 37, All Saints, 21. I mean, hats off to K.J. Williams, Cole Matsuda, Antonio Hall, and the rest of the Viking squad. I mean, that's all I can say. Matsuda tossed four touchdowns, three of which went to Antonio Hall. The Vikings also outgained the Saints 135-27 to on the ground, with D.K. Uh, Smittick going for 84 of those. I mean, hand up. We definitely questioned what Nolan had left after a lot of turnover this offseason, but they have quickly established that they are not going anywhere. As for all Saints, the talent is there. We're just going to have to see if they can pull it together in a tough D2 division or District 2. Best believe we're going to make an effort to go up to Fort Worth and watch the Vikings before the season's over. So, um, Walker, I'll turn to you first. Um, I mean, we just... We just flat got this one wrong. What are your thoughts on the performance by Cole Matsuda and Antonio Hall? I mean, I mean, flat out, you got to respect it, point blank. Um, they proved everyone wrong, and that when not when their backs against the wall, but just when you think that everyone's going against you, you can be like, oh, well, maybe we don't have a shot, or you could be like, all right, we're going to prove everyone wrong, and they took the latter, and that and that's just so impressive with the mindset of those guys and what coach Williams is instilling in that program, you know, just, I really, really respect it. And the battle of Fort Worth takes another win for the, for the Vikings at Nolan um, in a row, I believe like three, four, maybe in a row, they'll, they'll for sure. Let me know. But um, yeah, you got to respect it, man. Um, and I guess maybe they were not as far off as we thought they were in taps D one. And it's going to be interesting to see how wrong we are. I mean, point blank, like, we have them what we had them fourth or third in that di- in that district and it's going to be interesting to see all right where do they end up this year with Prestonwood not looking as good as we thought that we were i mean that whole taps d1 district one is going to be very interesting to watch as for all saints i mean it's going to be interesting how they respond right like are they going to respond 
like slowly and just show, all right, maybe we're not as good as we are. And, or are they going to come out and be like, that's not who we are. We made mistakes. We maybe had some injuries. I don't know. And we're going to respond better. And this week they play TCA Addison, and that's going to be a good win to respond to see, how, all right, how good are we? Um, but yeah, as a, as Sal's Christian friend, that makes me happy that maybe they're not as good as they all we thought they were going into the season. But um, yeah, and by the way, Nolan Catholic fans, I apologize. I would definitely have come to the uh, College Station uh, game in town, but I have uh, another game I have to go to this Friday. But uh, I wish I could definitely go to that one. Sorry, had a brain fart. Um, but yeah, no. Well, all right, for- what well, Ryan? Hey, I'm taking over Wes's job now. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah. Uh honestly, I, I think it I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, when I saw Cole Masuda last year, I I genuinely thought I was like, you know what? He had a really, really good game against Prestonwood. Uh it was it was him versus McGuire Martin last year. I was very impressed by what you know Masuda was able to do. Uh, and to let it be known, like I, I'm looking at this right now, I have this on replay right here. It's just these two catches by Antonio Hall for Matsuda that's on the athletics account of Nolan Catholic. Are you, kidding? Are you kidding me? Like, what? Also, like, I just like, like the one hit and catch, and then like the over the I don't know, man. Antonio, that's crazy. Cole, y'all are doing something special there. Uh, and just let it be known that no one's back, man. No one's back again. Um, and, and going back to, to Walker's point, everybody had All Saints in this game. Every single person had All Saints. Every single person that was basically doing a private school football analysis had All Saints in this game. So Nolan 100% was like, all right, let's go. Let's run it. I'm doing it. Let's go. And, uh, you know, I'm – I'm saying this right now, like Matt Suda uh, and and or Cole Matt Suda and Antonio Hall are going to be crazy this year. I, I that's 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 my hot take. They're going to be crazy. I, I think that connection is going to be absolutely wonderful. Um, and uh, take your pick at Sports Center hashtag SC Top Ten. You know what? Hey, I'm I'll put my vote in for Sports Center. Those are wild, Antonio. So, anyways, known Catholic man, y'all do y'all's thing this year. I'm ready for it. Yeah, no, I really want to see Nolan show out after um after just everyone kind of doubted them, us included, going into the season. I would love to see them prove a lot of people wrong and be a fantastic storyline. Moving into the last two games that we need to go through quickly. The first is DC versus Dunn. Now, this was closer than expected. You know, we were talking about before the game, you know, is DC going to cover a 25-point spread? That's really the only thing we were looking at. Um, they definitely did not. The game ended 34-21 to 21, Dallas Christian. Running back Zach Hernandez leads this effort on the ground for D.C. with 10 rushes for 170 yards and three touchdowns. That is 17 yards per rush. Sophomore quarterback Luke Carney throws for 170 yards and two touchdowns with 150 receiving yards and both touchdowns going to junior Will Nettles. You know, Dunn quarterback Shandon King threw touchdowns to both Bradley Mays and Jeremiah Horn. I actually have a little bit of an inside scoop on the D.C., side of things if i can pull it up 
Um, inside source says we were up 21 to nothing in the first quarter. The last three quarters, we stank fumbles, gave up two very long touchdowns. They had a decent team. We don't have a lot of depth, lots of kids playing both ways. We must get in better condition. So that's kind of the story with Dallas Christian, as it always has been. They have really um, high top level talent, but they're playing both ways. And, you know, guys are probably cramping. They're getting tired. We're going to need to see what kind of shape they're in moving into week two. But as for this game, Walker, DC done a little closer than expected, but what are your thoughts coming out of this match? Um, I think, um, I think DC, you know, finally got it together in the end, you know, started scoring points and all right, you make sense. DC is DC. That makes sense. I'm just very, very impressed with Bishop down this game. And, you know, you have the the freshman quarterback over there, but you know, they roll with Shandon King, who, I mean, did really good for them. Uh, 108 yards with two TDs and rushed for 90 yards as well. Uh, so, I mean, he did really good for them. And I guess like they're going to roll with him for the rest of the year and having Jeremiah Horn and all these guys, like they're in, they're in the right direction, but facing a Dallas Christian defense is always tough week one. Um, so I think that's probably going to be one of the better defenses they probably face all year. Um, and so good to get that out week one to show, Hey, we can do this. We, they scored 14 points, but still, Hey, this is how we are. This is who we defined as. And I think that's a good week one, uh, loss but a good like program point of like hey this is who we are we can do this the rest of the season so i think there there there's bright future head bright there's a bright future ahead for the bishop dunn falcons yeah for sure i think there are great things that both of these teams can take out of this game ryan your thoughts on dallas christian versus bishop dunn yeah, what you say in DC versus Dunn, like the whole f- factor of like how DC, you know, is running out of guys. I mean, this has been the main thing, y'all, for for what we've known about Dallas Christian. As they keep moving down in like you know division, that means they're moving down in kids at their dang school. Like, there's not a lot of kids at the dang school. They're in a D three. They're playing a D two school. Like, they don't. You know, and when they talk about depth, they're really just talking about guys that are on the football field with them. Like, you know, in all reality, there's just literally like that. Not that many guys out. Out there in general because dc is a shrinking school it has been a shrinking school that's why they went state and went down so you know i, I think that's something to note but what i really want to say this is my main factor can y'all just look at this i told y'all this district was going to be good legacy wins this week grace wins this week uh what's it called uh Quorum Dale wins this week grapevine faith wins this week bishop dunn puts 21 on dc like i mean Come on, this division, this district is not going to be bad this year. I'm ready for all, you know, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this division or this district. I keep saying division, this district to be something talked about. Um, you know, we keep talking about the other district on the other side, which is going to be great in and of, of itself in the north. The other D2. People knew that. But people knew that. Come on, y'all. Wake up. Let's go. Come on. I'm ready to see oh. this uh, this Grace and Legacy District as long as the Grapevine Faith and Quorum Dale. I, it's going to be something this year, man. I'm, I have to put my foot down because this is impressive by Bishop Dunn and every other team getting a win, th- win this week with a, a, almost like a, a shutout for Legacy. Grace winning by 32. Grapevine Faith winning by 40. You know, I, I'm ready for it, y'all. I'm ready for this district to put itself back on top. Yeah, it's been a while since Grace put a smackdown on someone. So seeing them beat Winona 39 to 7 is, it made me very happy. You know, I think they actually have athletes this year, and I'm actually somewhat excited. And I'm also ready to get hurt again. So, Grace, if you would like to get my hopes really high and then just 
completely smack them, I'm okay with that as well. But moving I'm in the on, same I'm in the same boat as you. I'm telling you right now, I have so much hope, so much hope. Well, the well, good thing is one of us has to win versus our game, so at least someone will be right, happy. Right. Go on, Walker. Uh, shout out, uh, Sabbath Christian winning the Dog Bowl over TVS. And I want to read Antoine Polt's stat line because it was really, really good. Um, Antoine Polt's stat line for this past week, 19 carries, 285 yards, and four touchdowns. Great job, Antoine. I'm very proud of you, and you are a monster. Grown man numbers you put up. Uh, Shout out the guys. All right, continue. Yeah, no, we've not. Antoine Polk's a beast, and hopefully we will get to see him in person later this season. Okay, so with the games that we recapped over with, we now, as always, transfer into the games of the week, and there are five of those. So starting with the first one, Parish Episcopal versus Episcopal Bel Air, not to be confused Ooh. with each other. A clash of the Titans will come about on Friday when two one and no squads face off. We had these teams one and two in our preseason power rankings, and for good reason. Paris is a unanimous favorite to win Taps Division One and proved why after beating Alito this past Friday. Sophomore quarterback Sawyer Anderson, running back Cedric Mays, and defensive back Daniel Demery are proving that the Panthers are one of the best teams in the state, regardless of classification. Episcopal was not as expected coming into the season. However, they were benefited by some excellent transfers, including, including quarterback Carson Gordon. Baylor looks to take the, the SPC 4A title and started strong with a 42-7 win over UIL 4A Livingston. You know, Bel Air, we've been talking about how good they've been with these transfers, how excited we are to watch them. I'm incredibly excited to see them throughout the rest of the season. I think they have, I think they're the only people that can even remotely challenge Parish in private schools. However, there's not a universe that I can't take Parish here. You know, it's it's Parish Episcopal. They just beat a Leo. I'm not giving you any more reason than that. It's 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 just incredibly easy. I'm taking Parish Episcopal. I'm not thinking about it twice, Walker. Um, I'm gonna go with Episcopal school yeah, that's in there, Dallas. Um, Parish Episcopal. Um, I said in a tweet to uh someone that you know told me to go with my gut. And I said, I don't think I will ever pick against uh, Parish Episcopal again. I'm not doing that. I will never do that. Um, Parish Episcopal in this one. I mean, I think it's going to be a very interesting game. And I, I would have went to that game so badly if I didn't already lock in my game. And I'm very, very sad I'm missing this one because it's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Parish in this one. But I want to shout out Carson Gordon. 42-7 to win over Livingston. He had six touchdowns, 282 yards and 192 on the ground with two touchdowns. I mean, that's just a very impressive performance for the big-time quarterback over there. I mean, that is the truth. We got to go down and watch a Bel Air game at some point. I just want to see how good he is and how good this team is. But, Ryan, I mean, I, I hope I know what you're going to pick, but let, let's see it. Yeah, I want Episcopal. Parish Episcopal. I was kidding. I'm not going to steal your joke. Uh, I was about no. to say. No, I, yeah, I'm going Parish. Uh, I, I think it's very easy to go with Parrish here, but I, I'm, I'm literally just going to solely take this game into the mindset of like, how good is Episcopal going to be? Like, I'm taking this, like the Bishop Dunn game for DC almost like I'm yep. using this game as a reference point for how Episcopal is going to play the rest of the year in the SPC, because if they put up numbers on Parrish this week, 
then let it be known. Let it be known that pair and then that Episcopal, you know, is going to make the case for with Kincaid for the SBC for a title. Like they're going to make it, they're going to make a run with Kincaid. So uh, if they are already making a run with Kincaid, I don't know why I'm saying that, but uh, Parrish, uh, I have Parrish here, um, but I have no idea how this game is going to turn out when it comes to the score line. This game could be really close. It could be a blowout, but I think Parrish is going to win. Yeah, no, I, I think they will as well. Um, it'll be interesting. I do want to see how close Episcopal can get. So tuning into our next game, that is Fort Bend Christian Academy at Dallas Christian in Mesquite. This is a game that I have had circled since the schedule's released. The student Jordan Black returns to Mesquite to battle the master in a duel for the ages. Reigning TAPS D2 champion and current D3 title favorites Dallas Christian have one of the best programs in the state over the past decade, even more than that, past few decades. Even after moving down a division, they still garner that reputation. Athletes like sophomore quarterback Luke Carney, senior running back Zach Hernandez, and junior athlete Speedy Nettles demonstrate why Dallas Christian is a force to be reckoned with. But looking to the other side is a force that D2 will have to prepare for over the coming weeks. Senior Brown commit Brady Dever and the Fort Bend Christian Eagles are on a self-titled revenge tour, donning the motto, come and take it. They also have ridiculous firepower, including Dever, Max Granville, Brian Domino, Bennett Warren, Kobe Sellers. The list goes on and on. And in this matchup, I'm going to have to take the new blood. I think Fort Bend Christian is going to be too much to handle in this one. I think Dallas Christian showed that they were human for the first time in a while last week. And I think the Eagles are going to capitalize on that. You know, I've been one of DC's biggest proponents um, since this podcast started. I called them a rolling ball of chainsaws. That's partially because I played against them. I know how good they are. I've also seen firsthand how good this Fort Bend Christian team is, and I don't think I can pick against them here. You know, Dallas Christian really tests um, whether I can pick against them or not, but I have to go with Fort Bend here. Walker, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this game. It's it's going to be a good one. And, you know, if you couldn't go to Parrish, uh, Bel Air, this is the second best game to go to, or th- arguably the best game to go to. Um, so you have a good one. You're going to West. I'm excited to see what you say after this one. But, um, I, I think you got to go uh, for Ben in this one. I, I just, I, I feel like that's going to be the right pick, but you know, I said that about last time and I was two and five in our picks. So um I don't know anything. Basically that's what I'm trying to say, but I'm really, I really like this for Ben team and you saw, I'm trying to find it today to make sure, but uh Texas tech came through today and offered like three of their guys. They offered Kobe sellers. They offered, uh, Bennett Warren, Max Granville. I mean, those are that's a power five school that um, Coach McGuire likes his guys um, that are really, really good in the state of Texas. And um, those three are some dogs. And um, they're just showing that, hey, power five schools are looking at Fort Bend, especially those two guys or three guys and all the other guys with Brady Dever committed to Brown. I just really, really like this team. But don't get it twisted. It's not like DC is not going to put up a fight. I mean, Luke Hardy's the real deal, and William Nettles and Zach Hernandez are all going to put uh, their best foot forward into this one. So it's going to be a very, very entertaining game uh, there in Dallas this weekend. You know, interestingly enough, um, the Massey ratings has Dallas Christian as a six and a half point favorite for this game, which is wow. very, very intriguing. 
Ryan, what are your thoughts on on the Dallas Christian Fort Bend game? Who are we going with? So you know, it's so funny. Last year, you know, you said the exact same thing when you said that DC was um, showed that they were human. You said the exact same thing after they lost to TCA last year. Um, I think I think it's it's kind of funny how you said that. The next game, they came out and whooped Fort Bend. Um, but I'm not going with uh, DC this year. Fort Bend, I think, takes it in this one almost only because I think Julio Brown was was the reason why they won last year. Um, and Julio Brown is not there at DC anymore. Um, not saying that DC is not a, a strong powerhouse like they are, but Julio had three touchdowns in that game last year and really led DC to that win. Um, 35 to 13, you know, depending on what you define as close, I mean, I think 22 points, you know, isn't terribly close, but, um, you know, I think Julio was the difference in that game. He was the 21, 22 points that basically uh, was the difference between them and Fort Ben. And I think this year that Fort Ben, you know, a lot of guys are coming, uh, especially, you know, uh, Dever is, you know, on his tour, on his senior tour to come do something like I'm, I'm telling you right now, I think Fort Ben is just too scary. They're showing too much of what they can do. And when, you know, when I think of, of this Fort Ben team this year, I just think of scary um, and I'm waiting to see Dallas Christian to see how they do this year. So overall, although, and, and, I, and this is how I know DC could do it because whenever Wes says they're, they're, what's it called? Whenever Wes says that they're, uh, they're human, they just show that they're not human. Uh, <laughs> so that's how it is. But I'm telling you right now, I think Fort Bend's a different animal this year. And I think Fort Bend takes this one. That's wild. I said the exact same thing coming off of a DC performance right before Fort Bend game two years in a row. You know, right. time is a flat circle, but <laughs> that's all the preview. Actually, I don't think I've mentioned I'm going to be at that game on Friday. So I guess it'll come out Thursday or Friday. So I'll be going to that game either tonight or tomorrow, depending on when you see this. I'm incredibly excited to see. It. I think this is going to be an electric matchup. But moving into the next game, we have Midland Christian versus Austin Regents. Both teams started their season off with a win. Regents had a dominant win over Central Catholic. And Midland won a double OT game against El Paso Americas. I think all of us stayed up until at least midnight watching, if I remember correctly, last Thursday. That was a that was some electric moments in the group chat. But, you know, in terms of that game, actually, um, Blake Pruitt and Boston Rodriguez both look very impressive. Um, I think Midland has some has some very good talent, even with all the turnover in their roster. Um, Regents also, like we mentioned, they looked the part. We already previewed or reviewed their last game, but you know, Quinn Murphy obviously is the real deal. He's the truth, and we're going to have to take that into account moving forward. But Midland is going to take the five-hour bus ride down to Austin, take on the Knights, and you know, I've gone back and forth a lot. Um, I disrespected Midland a lot last year in that I didn't pick again. I didn't pick them in times they won. You know, I disrespected Regents already this year, so I don't really know who to side with. I think this is almost even. I think we're probably going to be split as a podcast on this. But for this game, at this point in the season, I'm going to have to take Regents. You know, I think, I think that Quinn Murphy is starting to prove that he is um, that he's a very solid player in this league. And even as a freshman, I think Midland is also fantastic, but I think Regents has a very, very slight edge here. And that's why I'm going to have to side with them. Walker, your thoughts. That's actually a really interesting pick. I haven't really, that's a, that's tough. Um, I know this is a tough one. Like this is, this is difficult. Um, 
This one is also going to be one, Wes, that we're going to look back at like later in the district season to see how good the North is compared to the South. Like, yep. all right, if this is a slaughter for Regents, right? And then Midland plays a lot of those North teams close, you know, and the opposite. Like, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, What do I, what do I pick? What do I pick? Um, I will roll with you. I think I will go Austin Regents with this one. I think Gwen Murphy looked like the real deal. And maybe that's the, the shock factor is still hitting me of how good that Austin Regents team looked. Um, uh, yeah, I think that maybe that's it. You know, Whitfield Powell looked really good in that opening game. Uh, that defense looked really good. So I'm going to go Austin Regents in this one. But I mean, Midland could, as they usually do with everyone, that uh, West Texas just mentality just can shock anyone, you know? Walk, you want to take a guess as to what the spread is for this game? Uh, uh probably like, minus, like minus two. <laughs> I want maybe like minus six. Midland Christian minus 13 and a half. Wow. It's very interesting. I thought right. it'd be a lot closer. I thought they were just going to like go down to the edge, or whatever, but. So would I, but Ryan, I mean, we've already both picked the same team. So by podcast rule, you basically have to pick Midland. I, I'm really, really hoping you pick Midland. Please don't, please don't leave us on a ledge here. To be fair, the last two picks that we just made, we all made for the three, the same team for all, all three picks. Yeah, but, but this is, this is a lot closer. I know, I know, I know, I know, but dude, I just looked like an idiot with the Regents game last game. I look like an idiot. Uh, but what I do have to say is like, I think just for the fact that, you know, I, I think Midland, you know, I mean, Midland beat America's is a six, a UIL six, a like, like, you know, that means they have what 20, that means they have 2,500 kids at their school. Right. I think that's what the minimum is or something like that. Or there's 2000 or something like that. Like, that's a lot of kids. I got regions. We're definitely, I'm sorry, regions. You're definitely going to lose now. Did you just, what it was that? Was that like a, like a, that's like a hop. That's like a skip. I thought it was like a more of like a gritty, like, you know, like a weird, like a, like a one hand, like a yeah. gritty. Yeah. Like a, like a... I tripped over my mic. If my audio's on, I tripped over the microphone. <laughs> I, I tripped over my microphone and uh, it ripped the cord out. So that was whatever that little stinky leg was. <laughs> it's too late. Did you really just pick Regents? I, I have to. I have to. I looked like an idiot last week not picking them. Midland looked, Midland looked insane against Americas. But I, what I have to say is just like this Regents team, you know, putting that up on, on Central Catholic, like it kind of just showed me like, they, they're going to do it again this year. Like Regions is going to be like the legacy that is Regions is going to prove once again. I'm sorry, man. I have to go Regions in this game. It just, it makes too much sense. And I don't want to look like an idiot again. So I'm going we're Regions gonna, here. We're going to look like idiots whenever Midland wins and they meme us to death. Cause we all have the same little graphic. Yeah. 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 Dude, this is so funny. This is like the meme empires playing each other because I feel like both these teams meme us more than anybody exactly. else. 
Yeah, I think there's no good there's no good pick for this one except well, for the we, fact we've got a we we have to be the the biggest Austin Regents fans on the planet come Friday. No, please, oh, Midland, Midland. I know gosh. we did the song and dance no, last year. Man. You're a great team. We all think this game is going to come down to a touchdown. Please, we're begging you. If and when you eventually do win, spare us on Twitter, please. That's all I ask. But... I feel like we should do all like picks at like. 1250 at night i feel like that's like responsible of us i think this is what makes these us these are best. the best picks oh by the way i i have a 9 a.m tomorrow morning just thought i'd mention that to anybody I, that was wondering i have a 10 uh, o'clock so yeah there you go i don't have so, class what bro, online. I, just, I have just, I have just thought i mentioned class oh but, right okay. all right okay okay yeah. moving forward we're gonna get this done yeah cypress christian versus john cooper The state champions from their respective divisions, Cypress and John Cooper, had way different starts to the season. Cypress started with a 54 to nothing win over Brazos Christian, with John Cooper getting stifled by the Woodlands Christian Academy 10 to 7. Cypress makes sense. They lost a big time senior class last year, but with Maxwell Landrum at the helm, they're going to do just fine. Landrum led the team in passing and rushing in week one. Former Magnolia Legacy Prep Tyler Prazak's younger brother, 24 athlete Kyle Prazak, has transferred to Cyprus and led the team in receiving yards with a touchdown as well. Um, Warren Howdeck, I think, Preston Hamrick, and Jacob Brouch are all other people that stood out. John Cooper, on the other hand, had a very rough start for the reigning state champions. An offense led by Vaughn McKeever only scored once all night, which is very unusual, so you have to credit the CWCA defense for that. The 2025 versatile shifty athlete Dean Calhoun looked impressive in his performance, being the person who scored for the Dragons that night. Looking into this game, the battle of the two state champions, it will be interesting. Cypress had a very easy week one game while John Cooper really struggled. So this matchup last year, Cypress lost 20 to 14, but this year it looks like a way different setup. And honestly, I'm going to have to take Cypress here. You know, Ooh. they absolutely drummed Brazos Christian. We know Brazos lost a lot, but it's still a team with a good culture. I don't know what happened to John Cooper versus the Woodlands, but that's something that just flat shouldn't have happened, especially when the strength of that team you think is their offense. Um, if they're only scoring seven points, I can't take them in this game. You know, I think they'll probably be fine in the long run, but they need to get it figured out right now. But, you know, with a Cypress Christian team that just dropped 54, I mean, I don't see there's a way that you can't roll with them. Walker, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but what do you think? Yeah, you have to wonder, Wes, like, do they miss the running back do it all and Jackson Pierce as they as he's graduated, you know, because he was a big time weapon for them in the run game. And I don't know, like, I mean, Dean Calhoun looked really, really impressive in this film from this past weekend. So I don't think, you know, they are going down so much, but maybe just a guy they can rely on. I don't know. It's just a very interesting thing that that offense with that much talent with Kier Sullivan, Dean Calhoun, Von McKeever only scored seven points or yeah, seven points. So it's just going to be interesting how they rebound. And I mean, I love Chris Hogan. I love that team. I think Maxwell and Landrum. This is a good battle of two pretty good 23 quarterbacks, too, and Landrum and McKeever. And you know what? I just I could I don't think I see uh the John Cooper Dragons doing it for a second week in a row. So I'm gonna go John Cooper in this one. Um I I, I just think that program under Coach uh Coach DeHaven is just I don't think they have a standard of 
only scoring seven points. Uh, and I don't think they, they don't settle for that. Like they're, they're going to come back and I think they're going to be in the right direction. So I, I give me John Cooper in this one, but I mean, I think Cypress Christian is going to come ready to play and do not want to lose again for the second straight year. I mean, coach, coach Hogan knows how to scheme up a team and I think he's going to come ready to play with his guys. No, I like it. And the metrics have to agree with you. They have uh, John Cooper as a three and a half point favorite on this matchup. So Ryan, the pod is split. You get to break the rubber here. What's going on? Yeah, I, I mean, you do have to say that like John Cooper only let up only let up sub point. I mean, only let up ten points, right? So I, I definitely don't think you know, Cypress Christian is going to be going to score fifty four points again like they did against Brazos Christian. And but at the same time, though, I will have to say that it, it, it's almost like. So, okay, I'll, I'll read this out to you. McKeever threw three interceptions, right? And three interceptions against a Woodlands, a Woodlands, uh, Woodlands Christian team that I know doesn't have the same defense as, as Cypress Christian. Cypress Christian has a better defense than Woodlands Christian. I have to believe that they're going to pressure, they're going to pressure McKeever the same way. Um, and I have to believe that Cypress Christian with Max, with, with, with Coach Hogan and Landrum. And and then yeah, now Prazak, like I don't know. I think not to not to say something I shouldn't say, but I th- I think this is kind of obvious. Like I think Cypress gets this win here against John Cooper because in all reality, the numbers would point to the fact that Cypress Christian is kind of closer to the same team than John Cooper was. I feel like John Cooper's turned turned a different page than they are last year. Not saying that John Cooper couldn't go win SBC three A again, but. With a team like Cypress Christian under Chris Hogan and a team that performed super well in Division Three last year and is going to put up a fight this year, I think I have to have Cypress Christian here, and I think I have to have Cypress Christian by a good amount. That is interesting. So we have the pod split two to one on the outcome of this game. I'm very, very intrigued. I, I think this is going to be a very telling matchup for both teams moving forward. I think there's a lot at stake here, honestly, especially for John Cooper. I mean, they need to come out and have a good showing after last week, or I think their season is kind of in danger of kind of teetering on the rails a little bit. But with that being said, that is all we will talk about about that matchup in Houston. And now we will transfer into the last game we're going to talk about which is lutheran south versus saint michael's christian this is a matchup of the second round of the playoffs last year for anyone who forgot lutheran south lost saint michael's 37 to 14 but as for this season it's looking a little bit different Lutheran South beat Houston Christian in their first game 44 to 7 and St. Michael's lost in a stunner to Geneva 27 to 20. So we have two teams kind of moving in different directions here. We had St. Michael's that started with high expectations that's dropped a little bit. We have Lutheran South that started a little bit lower and now we're looking a little closer after that good win. As for Lutheran South, I mean, they obviously have playmakers, DB, Jalen Lowry, linebacker Matthew Furness, and running back linebacker Wesley Willingham. St. Michael's is the usual suspects, Carson Kruger, Xander Romero, Malachi Smith, and Jock Griffin. And this is kind of a tough one. If you would have asked me who wins this game before the season started, I would have told you St. Michael's Christian seven times a week and twice on Sundays. However, I mean – you have to take a closer look at this after week one. And honestly, I'm going to ride with momentum like I have been with all of my picks. I'm going to say Lutheran South wins this game. You know, I think that game against Houston Christian 
obviously Houston Christian isn't necessarily an elite program in private school, but I think Lutheran South has started on the right foot and I think they can get it done against St. Michael's Walker, your thoughts. I want to do the same. I kind of want to do the same thing with kind of the last pick. Um, you know, they have experience. That defense looks really good with Jalen Lowry, Matthew Furness, Wesley Willingham, and uh, guys like Jackson Oliver transferring in, you know, uh, other guys. Um, so it's like they have a really good team. But, man, the interestingest thing, I don't know, I, I don't know, but, you know, uh, Kruver tweeted out, like, prayers up to my guys who were injured. It's going to be interesting to see who was injured. I, I don't know. Um, we haven't, I haven't looked into it, but like, if it's like, I'm not saying it is, but like, if it's their big, t- b- better players, I mean, I, I see that pick, but I'm going to roll the dice on this one and kind of like what I did John Cooper and say, all right, you learn from your mistakes of week one and you're not going to make the same mistakes of in week two. And I'm going to go with St. Michael's in this one. I think, I mean, I, I have too much, there's too much potential there to mess up again. I think, I think, yeah, I just, I just have St. Michael's in this one because I think they're going to rebound and just show why they're, they're, they're Austin St. Michael's again. And just, I, I'm just going to be, I, yeah. <laughs> that is interesting. The, the, uh, the spread actually disagrees with you on this one. They have Lutheran South as a half point favorite. So it kind of goes off what we've been saying. We, we both think this is probably going to be a pretty close matchup. Ryan, for the final time tonight, are you going to, or you have to break the tie? Which side are you going to to favor? So, you know, Lutheran South, there is a way 100% they can win this game, 100%. And I'm going to tell you how right now. You want to know what Geneva did to them? They had Landon Grimes, guy that had three touchdowns, but 188 yards up on, on St. Michael's. If you run the ball, wait, let me get his name, Wesley Willingham, if they run the ball, Wesley Willingham, and basically just run it down their throat, if that's their weakness right now, if that's the weakness of Austin St. Michael's, then Lutheran South, you need to push that to the best of their abilities. I'm telling them something they already know, obviously. Like I'm not saying anything crazy, but if they push the ball that way, like and they run the ball super, super efficiently, I'm telling you right now that Lutheran South wins this game. However, I think same. How do you? How does St. Michael's allow 188 yards by a man with Jaw Griffin and Nehemiah Griffin up the middle? Is and like what? So, the, so that might be the thing. What if they got hurt? Not saying not again. Not saying they got hurt, but right. we gotta like like you know you wonder that kind of thing too. Also, the fact that you know they Geneva scored 13 points, and I'm assuming it had to have been at least two of those touchdowns you know, in the, in the second half. So, you know, and and then I, there's a lot of questions. We don't know all the answers between this Geneva and St. Michael's game, but what I will say is here, you know, just cause Geneva did well with Landon Grimes, I'm going to tell you right now, St. Michael's going to learn from what, what happened. Unless there's a serious injury on that D line. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen again. It will not happen again. Um, St. Michael's is going to come out. They're going to show who they are. Um, and they're going to prove that the, the, just this Geneva game was a fluke. A, a barring a a injury that we do not know about, I have St. Michael's here. Um, 
And I think St. Michael's takes it over Lutheran South. I, I agree with you, Walker. I think this is just a jump back game. I think Carson Kruber, Malachi Smith, Xander Romero, I think all these guys just proved that, like, you know, this was just one game that happened. Xander Romero still had a good game last game, too. You know, we're talking about, you know, 110 yards, two touchdowns. Like, he still showed out like 230 yards at a Carson Kruger and three touchdowns is still good. Like St. Michael's only lost by seven points. Like they didn't get shut out here. Y'all come on. St. Michael's. It wasn't, it wasn't a horrible loss last week. You're going to come out and you're going to show yourself against Lutheran South, unless you can't stop the run of Wesley Willingham. That's my take. So I have St. Michael's. I mean, let's not mince words. It it was still a bad loss, though. Like, it's still, it's still, they shouldn't have lost to Geneva Bernie. Especially with Geneva losing their quarterback, Grayson O'Donnell, to TMI. So that's their backup, I'm guessing. And, I don't know. I mean, he, he he didn't see the ball that much. I'm gonna tell you right now, the ball the ball the ball obviously went to Landon. Like, let's right. be very fair. They ran they ran it. So <laughs> they only threw nine passes. Uh, there was three guys on here that had 13 plus carries. They ran yeah. the ball out the wazoo against St. Michael's, and, and so and w- I don't Wes- know. And Wesley, what is it? Wesley Willingham is a big dude, man. And so I think that's gonna be hard to stop. But yeah, anyone from St. Michael's who watches this pod, please let us know who got hurt um, through Kruger's treat because we're trying to get just you know get more info about the teams that we talk yeah, about. So we I, know what we're talking I, about. No, you're right. Yeah. But one guy that showed out to me was uh, on the stat sheet of that game is Bo Ogden. Uh, Bo Ogden. Um, he looks like he's look, looking just looking at his Twitter. He's more of a basketball guy, but he stands at six four and he's a freshman in high school. Um, so that might be another weapon. He he had. 63 yards and a touchdown uh, receiving and on tackles wise, he had six tackles and also one interception. I mean, as a freshman in high school at six, four, that's going to be right. one to watch for sure. But right. um, I just, that guy just stood out to me, but I wanted to say that uh, it's just, I don't know. This is going to be very interesting. This game to see, all right, what is St. Michael's made of coming off a very rough loss in week one? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think looking at this whole thing from macro lens, I'm like I mentioned before we started recording, I am worried that I'm overreacting way too much to these good teams losing week one, because I pretty much picked against every good team that lost week one, which, you know, I think it's a decent strategy, but we'll see. I will see if it just destroys my pick record moving forward. But with that being said, that's actually all the information we have to cover for this episode. So barring any further comments from either of you, this is, oh, go on, Walker. I want to say I I want collaboration when we do these episodes and know more knowledge about the teams. Like if someone like, if you're listening from any school and you want to reach out and let us know what happened in your game, like if there was a big time upset, if we're trying to figure out, all right, what happened? What, what turned the tide? What, what happened? Please let us know. Cause we're just trying to get more info. So we know exactly what happened. Cause like we put the scorecard out, which yeah, I did a fantastic job of that. And I saw, I even had coaches reach out to me and be like, Hey, this is really cool. Appreciate you doing this. Um, So like we're trying to learn more about the teams and the games. So please let us know, reach out and also tag us in final scores. So uh, we yes. can get that thing as fast please. as possible. So yeah. just reach just please all like we're, I'm asking for, I guess this communication uh, just so we can help out y'all and get scores out. Know more about y'all when we talk about y'all and, you know, just gain more wisdom. So uh, that's kind of my final thoughts. 
if y'all if y'all like the scoreboard let us know too i mean that was an idea that we came up this year we said we wanted to do it um it, it, it was a way of kind of just like making it like a a centralized place where everybody could come to to find out the the scores at the end of the night so we're going to try to do that um i think how many slots we have i'm trying to see on here there's i think there's 24 slots on here so um uh, we should be able to get as ma- as many games as we can on the on the score sheets each night. I'm gonna have those. I'm gonna try to have those out by midnight each night at the latest um, on Friday night. So you should be able to check that if not Saturday morning before your uh, before your uh, um, the film. You can uh, check the scores from last night. But yeah, uh, it's something we wanted to start doing this year. And uh, don't be upset if we don't have your team on there. There are more than 24 games each week, so uh, we might not have your team on there. But it is a way that we want to make sure. You know, there was really no centralized place. Max Preps doesn't have all the scores on those Saturday mornings and stuff like that and those late Friday nights. And so uh hope y'all like it. Uh and yeah, tag us in all the final score graphics that y'all see or anything like that. We're we're wanting to know. And it uh, makes me easier than searching on Twitter all night long. <laughs> yeah, please do. And yet again, shout out. Go thank Ryan for putting that together. Thank Walker for building the the graphic. It's a tremendous job by both of y'all getting that done. I think it's one of the cooler things we've done. To see all the interaction on it, it is really, really cool. So we're glad that all of y'all appreciate that. But that being said, this has been the Texas Private School Podcast. I have been, as always, one third of your hosting crew. My co-hosts have fantastically been Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder. We will see you in the next episode. See you later. Three, two, one. Here we go.